considered. The Local Edition, only on Radio Catskill. Welcome to the Local Edition. News and information on Radio Catskill. I'm Jason Dolt. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for joining me here for the first local edition of the year. Did you make any resolutions? Well, coming up, Wayne Brown, clinical social worker who focuses on mental health, social justice, and community well-being. Wayne Brown returns to the show to talk New Year's resolutions. Why people make them? Are they beneficial? And how best to plan for positive change in your life? But first, there's a lot coming up this year in New York state policy and politics. And it's all starting out under the shadow of last year. In 2023, Governor Kathy Hochul and fellow Democrats who control the state legislature grappled over a week's late budget. And they left Albany for the year still disagreeing over the governor's housing proposal. They returned to get back to work on Wednesday. Housing, public safety, and a challenging budget are all still on the horizon. And, of course... It's an election year. WAMC News Director Ian Pickett spoke with WNYC Capitol reporter John Campbell about the year ahead in Albany. Well, I think housing is still going to be a significant issue in Albany going into this next legislative session. But it's an election year for for all 213 state lawmakers. And that is significant because a lot of times you don't want to take difficult votes. Now, that being said, there are a lot of lawmakers who are pushing for for various housing related issues, including good cause eviction. That is essentially something that would uh, prohibit landlords from from raising rent by a certain percentage every single year and uh, also would only allow landlords to evict tenants for good cause if they you know rip up the place or or various other reasons that would be allowed under this law. And that is something that lawmakers are going to be pushing Governor Hochul to include in some sort of housing compromise that might also include, say, a a housing proposal for New York City, New York City's 421A law, which is uh, has expired. And that's something that that is a, a credit to developers, a tax credit to developers, uh, who build housing with a certain percentage of affordable units. That's something that long time for a long time, Democratic lawmakers have criticized as a giveaway to developers. It's expired, but developers are pushing for that. The governor supports some sort of re-upping of that. The mayor of New York City report, supports some sort of re-upping of that. And there is, you know, perhaps some sort of hypothetical where you can cut some sort of deal for that. But so far, the governor has not supported good cause eviction. She was cool to the idea recently when she was asked about uh, some sort of compromise there. But that is one of the big things that I anticipate we'll see being discussed during much of the legislative session, which runs from January to June. A lot of times around this part of the year, we start to find out what some of the other priorities for the governor will be ahead of her state of the state address January 9th. What else is on her agenda for 2024? We know that the governor has made a big deal about uh, supporting mental health programs. I anticipate that some sort of, of widespread mental health plan will be part of her agenda uh, we also know that she ha- has already said that she does not intend on raising taxes. And 
when you're talking about raising taxes at the state level, you're generally talking about income taxes. That's something else that kind of puts Governor Hochul, a more moderate Democrat, at odds with some of the progressives in the legislature. They really want to increase taxes on the wealthy to fund the education system, to fund public transit, to fund all sorts of different things they want to do through increasing taxes on the wealthy. The governor has already said she does not intend on increasing taxes on on anyone, income taxes, that is. Uh, And she says we have to, quote, live within our means. That's another thing that I think we'll see. But, you know, the governor is pretty disciplined about not getting ahead of herself when it comes to her state of the state speech, her her budget address, both of which will happen within a week of each other in January. Um, you know, if you ask her about it, she'll she'll, you know, say we're putting that together now and, and she won't really reveal her cards. But those two speeches are really when we get the big picture ideas from the governor about how she wants the legislative session and really the entire year to go. Who's got the leverage this time around? Uh, Governor Hochul won a close election ahead of the last legislative session. Uh, Democrats still have super majorities. Um, So who's going to be driving uh, the issues of the day? Well, last year we saw the Democratic legislature and, and the Democratic Senate in particular, really flex its muscle. And we saw that when it came to the chief judge. Governor Hochul nominated Hector LaSalle for for chief judge of the state of New York, which also puts him on the Court of Appeals. Uh, and, and the Democratic Senate rejected that pick. And it had never happened in the in the history of the New York selecting judges in this manner, which goes back to the 70s. The Senate had never rejected a, a governor's pick for, for chief judge uh, for any judge on the Court of Appeals. So we saw the Democratic legislature flex its muscle. And I would honestly anticipate seeing that continue to happen going into the new year, the new session. I mean, you have a powerful state legislature right now, in part because they have that supermajority, in part because some of the leader, the leaders have have more longevity than than the governor at this point. Um, so I think you you're starting to see that that dynamic change in Albany during the Cuomo years. The executive was very, very, very strong. That being said. The, the constitution and how New York's system works, it, it, it calls for a strong executive and it gives the executive a lot of power, especially in the state budget process. And you will see Governor Hochul flex her muscle there. I mean, she, she's already shown that she's willing to take budgets late beyond the March 31st deadline. And that is a way where she can try to hold out and and extract things from the legislature. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen again this year, too. Yeah. So let's talk more about that. Um, Controller DiNapoli has been warning about uh, a revenue crunch in New York State on the horizon. Um, Hochul's own budget office has been warning about a tougher budget year. So what will that mean, practically speaking? Well, it's a tough budget year and it's a tough budget year in an election cycle, uh, in, a, in a re-election year for state lawmakers. So that makes it kind of doubly tough, quite frankly. So it, it it means that there will be a lot of push to increase taxes on the wealthy from the legislature, like we discussed earlier. Um and and it's gonna kind of set up this this tough dynamic between them and the governor, and especially when it comes to budgetary issues. And you know, another thing that's that's tough on the budget this year is the the migrant 
situation in New York City. New York City is getting tens of thousands of migrants. Um, I, I mean, they've seen more than 100,000 migrants since uh, over the last year and a half or so. And that is something that, that the mayor of New York City has been basically begging for more state help, more federal help it's primarily, but also for more help from the state. You're going to see uh, the mayor kind of push for that as well. And, and the governor who is trying to um, maintain a good relationship with Mayor Adams in New York City, she'll face some pressure there as well. That is another thing that's going to make this budget situation difficult. Let's talk about some other stuff uh, that's going to take shape in 2024. One huge decision that happened just ahead of the holidays means that New York is going to have new congressional maps and districts for the third straight congressional election. Uh, What will the impacts of that be? It's a big deal for Democrats in particular as they try to take control of the House of Representatives. They got to flip a handful of seats nationwide. And if they get new lines here, which they have through uh, through the Court of Appeals decision earlier this month. If they once those new lines come down, they're anticipating that they will be more beneficial to the Democrats than the current lines, which were drawn by a special master appointed by the court system. And Republicans performed very, very well under those lines. They picked up three seats in New York alone that helped Republicans take control of of the House in 2022. Democrats are hoping maybe they can flip a couple of those seats back. Maybe they can pick up a, a seat here or there, and that would help them on their national quest here. That said, Republicans aren't quite ready to to throw in the towel on the current districts yet and that is because they're arguing that if this if there's some sort of delay if democrats try to gerrymander these seats they'll sue in court and maybe they can make an argument that hey this is going to delay the elections let's just leave these current districts in place for one more election cycle and uh, and then we won't have to delay the elections that would be a really interesting dynamic here. It's hypothetical. It's it basically all we know is that the independent redistricting commission is drawing new maps. The legislature, it'll be up to them to accept or reject them. If they reject them, then the Democrats in the legislature will get to draw their own maps. And at that point, you would almost see Republicans take it back to court. But it, it's it's a huge national implications. There's no two ways about it. And speaking of that New York City election, which is coming closer all the time, uh, how likely do you think it is that former Governor Andrew Cuomo could wind up on a ballot in that race? Well, he's he's been making noise about it, even if he himself hasn't been the one saying it in public. You've seen lots of reports about people quote close to, to Cuomo saying that he might run for, for New York City mayor if Eric Adams were to, you know, resign or be uh, indicted and, and and be forced to resign, things like that. You know, I, who knows? It's difficult to tell whether how serious he is about this or is this about keeping your name out there and and perhaps you know keeping your 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 name in the public consciousness so you can run for something in the future. I have talked to some some Cuomo folks and and some Cuomo related folks, people in his orbit, we should say. And their point is, well, if you can't be governor, then maybe New York City mayor is is uh, is is the next best thing from his perspective. And that is, you know, he's it could it happen? Sure, it could happen. I also have a hard time 
seeing him, Andrew Cuomo in particular, be in the position of having to beg Albany to approve something in New York City if he were in the mayor, the mayor's office or come up to what we call Tin Cup Day, where, where the mayors all over the state come up and testify in front of the legislature and say, I need this, I need that, I need this. I, I that is very difficult for me to to picture, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. I would love to hear the explanation of the city state relationship from the perspective of a now mayor Cuomo. Yeah, I mean, that would be wild, especially because he made Mayor de Blasio's life very difficult when when Andrew Cuomo was Governor Cuomo. So it, it would be. The, the dynamic there would be absolutely fascinating and, and the, the strategy there would be fascinating, but it would be a test of, of how, what voters think of the myriad scandals that threw him out of office. That's our friend John Campbell from WNYC. He covers the Capitol. John, thanks as always for your time and insights and good luck with the new session. Thank you, Ian. My pleasure. Thank you, Ian Pickus. John Campbell. Thank you to the New York Public News Network for that report. When we come back, new year, new you, we talk resolutions. Stay with us. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Hi, this is Laura Flanders, and you can catch The Laura Flanders Show, which I produce right here in a cabin in Sullivan County every Monday night at 7 p.m. on Radio Catskill. You'll hear interviews with social critics, artists, activists, and entrepreneurs, forward thinkers who are building tomorrow's world today. Deep conversations about change with the leading thinkers and doers of our time. That's The Laura Flanders Show, Monday night, 7 p.m., right here on Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Welcome back to the local edition. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Resolutions. Did you make any? Does it even matter? And what is the best way to create change in our lives? Radio Catskills' Patricio Robayo has a special conversation to tackle all of that, and I'll let him introduce his guest. Wayne Brown is a clinical social worker and an advocate with a multifaceted commitment to mental health and social justice and community well-being. He's on the program tonight to explore the topic of New Year's resolutions, delving into why people make them and whether it's beneficial in the long run. So welcome back to the program, Wayne. Thank you so much, Patricia. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Do you approach the process of setting New Year's resolutions with your clients? What is your sort of philosophy on this? I like to let clients lead as to whether or not they choose to embrace uh, the idea of New Year's resolutions as a way to enhance goals. I believe over the course of our clinical relationship that we're always working in goal setting. And just historically, I think New Year's as a milestone has become that point where everyone sees it as a restart date. It's a new year, new month. I always feel like my personally, I always have a mini New Year's always when the new month turns over, refresh a little bit. I'm sure you can even do that in daily when a new day starts and reset yourself if you like a rough day the day before or anything like that. So absolutely. One, one thing that when I'm working with individuals who are struggling with addiction, they are extremely mindful of yesterday. I did something that I don't want to do and now I need to restart. I need to restart the clock. And so March 13th is my new year. Or April 17th or whatever. It's having 
if having the milestone of January 1st is what's going to motivate someone to make a difficult change in their lives, then I root for that. Yeah, absolutely. In your experience as a therapist, what are some of the common patterns or themes you observed and reasons people make New Year's resolutions? Well, people make New Year's resolutions because there's something about them that they don't like. Maybe they don't like they are still smoking. Maybe they don't like that they their clothes are too tight on them. Uh, they don't like their job. They feel like they're underemployed. The reason why we make resolutions is we make the commitment to, and this is where a lot of people struggle, we make the commitment to feel less sad rather than work towards something that we're excited about. Are you saying that they're not really working towards the real problem that's making them sad? It's just working towards a Band-Aid or a quick fix? They haven't. It's tricky because we want someone to have a motivation to change. And one of the things that I encourage with my clients is really defining what are we moving towards, not what are we moving away from. So if I have a client who comes to me and says, I really want to lose weight in the new year, we are going to set some very specific goals. I would like to lose five pounds in the month of January. I'd like to be down to X weight by the end of February and keeping accountable to the idea that if the goal is too grand in the beginning, that the likelihood of success will go down. So if someone comes to me and they say that they want to lose 50 pounds in January, that's not a reasonable goal. So we want to work on goals that they can experience victory from rather than taking on monumental goals and struggling on January 4th and say, screw it, these resolutions never work anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It can be stressful. Personally, me, I'm a person who I love lists. I love making goals. Uh, I list everywhere. It helps me process the day and get things out of my head and get things on paper. Um, but I know it can be overwhelming knowing that you have to do X and why these so many stuff. So, so people often feel stressed about keeping the resolutions. How do you hand, how do you suggest handling tough times or feel like giving up? Like you just said, like January 4th, that things are overwhelming them and they say, screw it. It's when you're creating your, your resolutions, you need to look at number one, what are you working towards? So I want to lose weight or I'm going to quit smoking because. I have a teenage child and I want to be around to walk them down the aisle when they're older. That's fantastic. And that's a really noble goal. What's something more important to you that's a little bit more proximal, that's more real? Uh, coming up with a positive future oriented goal that is concrete. I want to fit better into my clothes. I want my clothes to not smell like cigarettes. And I would love for that to be true by St. Patrick's Day, just to throw out dates. Um, from there, we would start to figure out what are our strengths? What is the plan? And what is the work that we can do towards that plan? And what are the obstacles that we're going to face along the way? I have a whole change plan worksheet that I work with my clients on. It's 15 questions long and it really gets into the granular. But the first, the first question about what we're going to do to make changes doesn't happen until the fifth question. 
because making the changes is not nearly as important as having the reason why you want to change. So I work with the client to really suss out for themselves, why is this change important for me? Yeah, because otherwise, whatever the obstacle is going to become extraordinarily difficult very quickly. This is why on January 2nd and 3rd, the gym is always filled. And by January 15th, it's relatively back to normal because we get so excited about our goals. We go into our goals and we're like, this is the year that I'm going to accomplish. And if you ask them, why is this so important to you? I don't know, but it's really important to me. And so I'm going to do it. And then they go to the gym for a day and that night their muscles are so sore and they wake up in the morning and they didn't have a good night's sleep and they can, you know what? I can go to the gym after work and after work, I'm so tired. I'm just going to go tomorrow. And it's really, if you don't have a meaningful thing that you're working towards, the obstacles that will come with resolution setting will seem far greater. If I'm working towards a goal of I want to race in the New York Marathon this year, then I've got a date that I need to be ready by. Maybe I download the Couch to Marathon app. Maybe I buy a nice pair of running shoes and make a commitment with a running partner to go and run four times per week by the end of January. It's setting specific goals that are meaningful. The number one question is, the number one question is, why do I want to make the change? And number two question is, what do I gain from the change? Absolutely. You know, if I haven't, if I haven't internalized what is going to be better for my life, then it's really tough to overcome the challenges that will come. Yeah. You mentioned the app Couch to 5K because I actually use that app uh, when I was going to my running thing. And what I've learned from that app, and I'm sure it applies to other parts of your life, and I do it myself, is have that lofty, have that large goal, but also have those small goals. And if those are not familiar with the app, you start off your 5K goal as you run, you walk for two minutes and then you run for 60 minutes and slowly builds up. And long behold, you know, by the end of 10 weeks or end of whatever, you're running a 5K, like nothing. It's just slowly building up to that. So I'm sure that applies to it's new, even resolution, even goals in your life to have micro goals. Who leading up to yeah, that, that's why. And I refer most often in goal setting around resolution, around smoking and weight loss, because those are the big ones. And if I if I'm a two pack a day smoker and. They have been smoking for the past 50 years. And I say at midnight, I'm just going to throw out this pack. It won't be until nine or 10 in the morning where my family members are going to the convenience store for me to buy a pack of cigarettes because I am unbearable Uh, because I want to quit, but I don't have my why and I don't have my plan. I'm a former smoker. Quitting smoking is extremely extraordinarily difficult and if you don't have a reasonable plan or a reasonable motivation then those stuck points those craving points are easy to find an excuse why just this one time kicks in yeah absolutely so you mentioned the the obstacles that come in and if you don't have a strong why or sort of strong foundation and to me that would be like the plan those things can knock you over um 
part of dealing with those obstacles is who can you go to that is important in your life that will help you when the obstacles show up? How do you guide people going, growing and improving themselves throughout the year? And are there sort of simple tricks or habits that you find work well for making lasting changes? The Unfortunately, the only way to make lasting changes, it's very boring. It's just to begin small and continue doing. I used to be a guy who went to the gym all the time. And that stopped after I had children. Is that a goal for me to get back to the gym? Absolutely. After my kids are more self-sufficient and more independent. Part of setting goals is setting goals on a timeline that is realistic. If you've got an infant at home and you're working a 40-hour job and you your spouse also has a job and you have all these other obligations... Maybe setting a goal of going to the gym five times a week is setting yourself up for failure. So maybe it's, I'm going to wake up an hour early and go for a walk around the neighborhood because that is getting, while it's not cardio, it's moving your body. It's getting yourself some exercise. Maybe it's using a YouTube workout, or an Apple workout, or a Roku workout. It's working within the constraints of your situation because we all have constraints. We all have limitations in accomplishing our goals and we can't, it serves no benefit to resent the fact that we have to go to work because the bank doesn't care whether or not we want to go to work. So we have our schedule, we have X flexibility in our schedule and the Y is how we get to making the changes incrementally. I really encourage individuals to set reasonably paced goals. So in this change plan worksheet that I referred to, your first goal is what are three things that you can do in the next one to eight days? That's it, just one to eight days. And then the next step is what can we do between day nine and day 30? Because, and I don't ask about after day 30 because by day 31, we're doing a new change plan worksheet because if you've been sticking with your goals, you're at a place on day 31 that you could not have visualized in day zero. So why set day 31 goals when we don't have any earthly idea where you're going to be? Absolutely. Yeah. You wouldn't leave the house going to a location not knowing what's your destination. So exactly. That- and that's exactly why you have to have a clear destination as to I want to lose weight because I'm getting married this year or my, my child has this event or I want to be healthier because my doctor told me that I'm pre-diabetic or I want to quit smoking because I keep coughing and it makes me feel really self-conscious about the cough. Plus, my mother died from lung cancer and that's something that is disconcerting to me. So in setting the goal of I want to quit smoking because my family member died from this horrible disease, it's not I don't want to die like my parent did. It's I want to quit smoking because I want to live to see this grand event. And I want to see all these smaller events beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. And those are, are me personally, that would be a strong, I would think would be strong motivators uh, for anyone to have. You have a private practice in the Buffalo Niagara area, right? Willow Grove Counseling. Do you want to talk about that before we go? Sure. Yeah. sure. So at Willow Grove Counseling, I work with all sorts of individuals. My youngest clients are in elementary school. My oldest clients 
are in their 70s and 80s. And what I work with my clients on is really client-centered. It's if you come to me and you're struggling with an emotion, a difficult and trying event in your life, a thing that just seems overwhelming to process, we work together to figure out resolution. And sometimes that's making peace with our past. I do a lot of trauma work. And one thing that's important in understanding trauma work is no matter how good we are at working with the trauma, it doesn't undo the past. This is actually part of resolutions as well, is sometimes we make resolutions based on past negative experiences. And we cannot outrun our past, no matter how fast we are. However, we can learn to adjust and manage the way we experience our past because it's not about it's not about making the past go away. It's about making sure we're not reliving the past every time something triggers a memory. Yeah. And that's where I work with my clients is just quieting those negative past voices and working towards something that is meaningful to my clients in their short, mid and long term future. Well, we're talking to Wayne Brown, counselor, educator, speaker, uh, practice Willow Grove counseling in the Buffalo, Niagara area. And we're talking about New Year's resolution. But thank you so much, Wayne, for joining us again. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for joining us on the program again. Have a wonderful new year. Well, that's it for the local edition tonight. Come back tomorrow night. We have the Kingfisher Project for the second Tuesday of the month. And I'll be back on Wednesday for a special show-long interview with Lissa Harris of the Empire of Dirt blog to talk about the year that was and the fight against climate change in New York State. I've been your host, Jason Dole. Thank you so much for listening. Up next is The Daily. Then after that is Laura Flanders, followed by Trailer Talk. This is Radio Catskill. If it's happening here, it's on Radio Chatskill. Local events, local voices. Live local conversations, five days a week. Radio Chatskill, weekday mornings at 10.